Hello and welcome to the Ripples in Space podcast. Um, we're still around, even though the world's a little shut down, but it looks like things might be getting better, hopefully. Fingers crossed. We hope. <laughs> anyway, before the world turned into a science fiction story that was not terribly well written, um, we have still been getting submissions and we're still doing our podcast. So um, I'll do the introduction and Kate will read the story and then we'll talk about it. Thank you again for listening. Liam Morin was born in Levittown, New York, and raised in the suburbs of Chicago. After spending some time in Wisconsin and rural Tennessee, he's gone back to the state of Illinois, where he reads, writes, and tries to catch the Sunday games at a local bar during football season. He describes himself as a stone-cold cynic who occasionally needs to open some release valves of optimistic lunacy to stay sane. His stories have been published in Coffin Bell Journal, Ribbles in Space, and Haunted MTL. He has published the novels Saving Fiction and Love is Delusional. The Antisocial Network by Liam Moran Randall Reed had a bit too much to drink late one night. He wasn't thinking clearly and became upset while browsing through his social media feed after noticing a common theme that had been gnawing at him for quite some time. His manager and agent told him to use social media to his advantage, to create some buzz. So he sat down and began typing. Even though he was semi-inebriated, not thinking clearly, and was pretty sure this wasn't the type of buzz his agent or manager was talking about, he decided what he wanted to say. Little did he know, this simple drunken rant would change the world in such a drastic way. We used to talk about metaphysics, epistemology, ethics, politics, and aesthetics. We used to talk about psychology, neurology, theology, and existence. Now we bicker about which fast food joint is the best. Now we talk about the latest viral video or cat meme or celebrity gossip. Now we talk about what Lisa or whoever wrote on her Facebook timeline or posted on Twitter or put on her Snapchat story. Now we talk about how what's-his-name has been seen with what's-her-name, and maybe that means what's-his-name is cheating on what's-her-face. Nefarious scandals that may or may not be true take precedence over knowledge. Can we locate the country we're in a war with on a map? No. But do we know if Cindy or whoever changed her status from in a relationship to it's complicated? You bet your ass we do. It's a brave new world. And in this new world, knowledge is replaced by gossip. Understanding the why or how is irrelevant. All that matters is the what. And new opinions don't matter. All that matters is if others' opinions agree with our own. If they do, add friend. If they don't, delete. It's a brave new world, all right. For better or worse, it's a brave new world. All this was just an off-handed late-night post by a relatively new independent film actor, Randall Reed, after several drinks in January 2025. By the end of the first month, it had gone viral. Randall Reed was merely frustrated by where he saw our society heading and went on a rant. He didn't think of it much, and severely doubted he had enough clout as an actor to have anyone listen, 
so he was very surprised when news stations reached out to him to ask in-depth questions about what he thought society's priorities were and how he thought our society could get back on track. There was a brief period of time when he started to have faith in humanity again, but, in retrospect, he should have paid more heed to that famous quote about the road to a certain place being paid with good intentions. Somebody did listen to what he was saying. The CEOs of Twitter listened to what he had to say. And if Randall Reed was alive today, he would have regretted ever making those comments. By the year 2028, Twitter created an algorithm to adjust to what the world was becoming, inspired by Reed's rant. They opened accounts for celebrities or other famous people in history that had passed away. It was simple. If you wanted to talk to your favorite historical figure who had died, the algorithm used the writings, recordings, and videos of that person to respond in a way that the passed away historical figures would respond if they were still alive. It didn't matter if you were seeking advice on modern-day issues from philosophers like Socrates, Nietzsche, or Descartes, or wanted writing tips from authors like Ovid, Shakespeare, or Twain, or wanted feedback on your new single from musicians like Beethoven, Hendrix, or Bowie. All you had to do was write a message and send an attachment. And the best part of this innovation was that since this was all technological, they would read or listen to what you sent instantaneously and then respond to you within less than a second. Two years later, Facebook saw the popularity of this algorithm, but noticed the disinterest of old knowledge and the irrelevance of opinions of people society viewed as outdated and old, so they refined and perfected this algorithm. People were always posting and messaging on social media, but the problem was that people were mortal. Eventually drugs, fatty food, alcohol, poor decisions, genetic diseases, and even time would catch up to them and they would eventually die, leaving a void in people's lives, and more importantly, a stop in usage. So, Facebook figured out a way that could immortalize their users. Once a person had passed away, Facebook could take over in a ghost drive and keep them updating their status, posting pictures, which they were able to concoct with spot-on likeness, and respond to their friends' messages. They also realized that immediate responses would put disbelief in the users, so they delayed their responses to the average response times that the users, while they were alive, would have normally responded. And if the user, while alive, would be asleep usually during a certain period of time, their ghost drive version would not respond while their original live version had been asleep. This idea spread like wildfire across social media outlets, Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, which was angered that they didn't think of making it personal first, and others adapted and altered the algorithm to fit their unique brand of social media. Within three years, Mark Zuckerberg had won a Nobel Peace Prize for creating virtual immortality. As the years passed and times had changed, the algorithm creating the ghost drives of people had been perfected to a point where distinguishing who was alive or dead became a near impossibility for even the most critical and analytical of minds. And that brings us to a shy, mild-mannered man named Jesse Andrews. Growing up, Jesse Andrews never tried to ruffle any feathers, and like most, he was not outgoing and hardly saw anyone outside of school. 
He was social, at least as much as most people given the times. He may not have seen anyone in person, but he was on every social media outlet and had over 3,000 friends on each one. He would often discuss the movies he had rented on his television or posted pictures of especially delicious-looking instant meals he had made. Never did he bother with politics or current events, partly because he didn't want to offend anybody with such divisive topics, and partly because those things were not relevant anymore in the age of mindless movies and entertainment that tried its hardest to stray away from politics or anything that required critical thought or questioning what one believed in. When friends messaged him, he was always polite, but vague. He didn't want to offend or upset anyone, but he also didn't want to make himself seem pretentious, as if to say that anything he had to say was all that interesting. When he worked, he worked from home. That was natural for most people nowadays. He had no significant other, no wife, no girlfriend, nothing. It wasn't all that uncommon, either. In fact, not having a significant other was encouraged. The population had decreased from over seven and a half billion to a mere five billion, and it was all thanks to introverted patriots like him that would hardly interact with anyone, even less so with anyone of the sex they were attracted to. The first time he had posted anything that might put anyone in a bad mood was when he was 42 and posted that he had stomach cancer. On Facebook, his status was given hundreds of crying face emojis, and on all his other social media outlets, including Facebook, people offered their support. The religious said they were praying for him, the spiritual said they were sending him good vibes or energy, and the non-religious were wishing him the best. Less than a year later, when he passed away, he had over 5,000 friends on his different social media outlets, but not one person knew he had died. People had stopped reading the news, and after all, with virtual immortality perfected, what did it matter anymore? Over 5,000 friends, and the only one at his funeral was the undertaker to lower him into his grave. Three months later, his brother John, unaware of Jesse's death along with the rest of the people who knew him, messaged him on Facebook. What's up? And the decades-long, perfected virtual algorithm instantaneously went through all his posts on social media outlets, checked his messages to people in general, and then specifically to his brother, deciphered how long he would usually respond at this point in the day, waited exactly 24 minutes and 12 seconds, and responded, Nothing much. And then his brother never responded back as Jesse faded into his virtual ghost drive, posting critiques of popular movies that he did not see and pictures of instant meals he did not eat. And that was The Antisocial Network. Thank you, Liam, for sending that piece in to us. Very, uh, very applicable, especially since people have a lot more time than already normal to be on social media for a, uh, a relevant social media type story. That is definitely a tad unnerving. A tad unnerving? <laughs> it just, it, it reminds me of like how when you're not even necessarily on your phone, but you're talking about something with someone and then the ads 
for that thing you've been talking about pops up on your phone. It's like that maximized now for your social media. Like that just is, that's freaky. If only I would get an ad for Ripples in Space. But what? No, we're not that popular yet. No, but this did honestly, yes, freak me out and remind me a little bit of a Black Mirror episode um, since they do deal with, you know, how technology is kind of negatively impacting our lives at times. So I really did enjoy this one. I found it quite thought-provoking. So thank you again for sending that to us. As always, we like to encourage our listeners to go to our website and submit Flash Fiction for us to read at this podcast. And be sure to keep your eyes open. Pretty soon here we will be publishing our uh, spring 2020. 2020. (laughs) We are in 2020 still, unfortunately. (laughs) Our spring 2020 submissions. So working on those. Um, Thank you guys for all your support. And well, I guess from all of us here at Ripples in Space, cheers from the void. See you soon.